Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. So what do you think about the kids arriving in Iowa for the end of that episode? Um, I, I like it. I think it's good. But can I call you right back? I just heard a noise downstairs. I want to go check on Violet really quick. Sure. I'll be right back. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we're going to share an interview we did before COVID-19 changed all our lives with Side Hustle School's Chris Gillibo about his new book, The Money Tree. Turns out the idea of finding money in our backyards is more relevant now than ever. Then we've got a safer at home edition of Hits and Bombs, and this week's Hollywood hack will help you look better in Zoom meetings. But first, we have an update with a very, very special guest. My daughter, Violet, has been wanting to come on the podcast for a long time, and now that we're recording from home, it seems like the perfect time. So, Violet is sitting here with me. Hi. Hi, Violet. <laughs> Hi. Thanks for joining us today. I'm really excited. Good. Violet, we want to know what do you have to say about this whole stay at home all the time situation? And why don't you start with the good parts? Um, I like to play with my toys a lot, so that's a good part. And I get to hang out with my mom. Oh, oh you get to hang out with your mom. That's yeah, a good that's a part. Good part. And yeah. then... Are there any other good parts you want to share? No. No? Okay. What about the hard parts? Do you miss your friends and going out and doing fun stuff? Yeah. Yeah. What do you miss the most, do you think? Um, my normal Wednesday play date with my friend Walter. Yeah. You kind of had a Walter Wednesday thing going, huh? Yeah. Yeah. And Violet, here's what I'm dying to know. How is it hanging out with your mom all of the time? <laughs> um... I don't really hate it, but I don't really love it. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> That's a good answer, honey. I'm impressed with that answer. Well wow. said. 
It's hard being stuck with one person all the time. But I have to tell you, if I have to have one person around all the time, I'm very glad you're that person. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for coming on, honey. You want to say bye to Liz and Chuck? Bye, Liz. Bye, Chuck. Bye, Violet. Thanks for joining us. Bye, Violet. I'll see you later. Welcome. (laughs) I imagine a lot of kids feel the exact same way that Violet does. So it's (laughs) nice to get the report from the kid front. Absolutely. That was so fun. Okay. It is time for From the Treadmill Desks of, where we talk about what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's changing it up. We should note that we recorded this interview with Chris Guillebeau about his new book, The Money Tree, before the current COVID-19 crisis. But the timing is actually perfect. If you are at home and considering business opportunities, maybe this is the time to look in your own backyard. So here it is, our interview with Chris Guillebeau. Okay, it's time for From the Treadmill Desks Of, where we talk about what's most pressing in our work psyches, and this week it's changing it up. Chris Gillibo, host of Side Hustle School, has a new book out, The Money Tree, and he is changing it up. Yes, Chris Gillibo is the New York Times bestselling author of The $100 Startup, Side Hustle, The Happiness of Pursuit, and other books that have been translated into more than 30 languages. During a lifetime of self-employment that included a four-year commitment as a volunteer executive in West Africa, he visited every country in the world, 193 in total, if you're wondering, before his 35th birthday. His daily podcast, Side Hustle School, is downloaded more than 2 million times a month, often by me. He is also the founder of the World Domination Summit, an event for cultural creatives that attracts thousands of attendees to Portland, Oregon every summer. Chris, welcome. welcome. Thank you so much for having me. Big fan of the show. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, I love Side Hustle School. Oh, it's you're just, so kind. It's the greatest. I, I just am, I, I cannot get enough of how people make money on the side. It's just endlessly fascinating. It truly yeah, is. Yeah, well, we've done a 1,000 episodes now, or 1,100, I think. And when I started it, I... Didn't have a vision to go that far. I made a commitment to do it for one year, and I thought maybe I'll run out of stories, right? But um, but they keep coming, as you said. I love it. Um, but we're here to talk about The Money Tree, your new book. Um, and it's—tell us about it, because it's different from what you've done in the past. It is quite different. Well, all of my work, broadly speaking, is about self-reliance, essentially. I'm trying to help people, you know, in whatever phase they are in, in, in life and work, whether they have a job, don't want a job, want to do their own thing— one way or another, just to create more options for themselves and security. So The Money Tree um, is fiction. It's my first fiction book. I've done a number of nonfiction books. Um, so I'm telling a story here. I've kind of created this environment um, about this guy who's you know, a young millennial, and he's got a good job. He's a hard worker, but he also has a lot of student loan debt. Mm. And um, you know, the walls are kind of caving in. His job is a little bit insecure. His relationship is challenged because he's feeling all this stress with the debt and such. And he just realizes, uh, you know, as I said, I'm a hard worker, but I can't get I can't get out of this mess on my own, uh, which is so typical of so many people, you know, these yes. days. And so he kind of sets out on this quest to, you know, find a way to not become an entrepreneur per se, but uh, to create another source of income and to create security for himself. And so the the story is essentially a model of of so many people who are trying to do that and who need to do that. Well, in this book, as you said, it is changing things up for you. Why did you decide to approach it as fiction? I think a lot of people are not going to read a how-to book, per se. You know? Like, I think we respond to stories. I mean, you you know that very, very well, of course. And I think I I really want to reach people who have never thought about 
you know, the idea of quote unquote owning a business, you know, or being an entrepreneur, perhaps because their idea of what that looks like comes from something like Shark Tank or a more traditional understanding of starting a business, which involves debt, which involves a lot of risk and so on. And the kind of stories that I feature, like on Side Hustle School, are all about just regular people who find some way to make money without going into debt by using a skill that they already have and such. Uh, and so I, I thought using this like storytelling medium could be interesting for that. Um, and so I, I never had an idea that I would write fiction. Like I always read fiction. That's, uh -huh. that's what I like to enjoy. But um, the story just kind of came to me. And so I spent a couple of months outlining without talking to anybody about it. <laughs> um, and I wrote the whole book before I submitted it to, to the publisher, which is kind of the opposite of how it works in the nonfiction world, uh, mostly because I wanted to see if I could do it, you know. That's so you. I mean, knowing you as I do to just be like, well, I'm going to write a novel now um, and then to do it successfully. So here's what I want to know. Was it scary to write fiction? It was at first. That's why I didn't tell anyone about okay. it. You know, I wanted to make sure I could actually do a good job with it. And I, I wrote probably seven full drafts of this book, which I don't know if I've ever done before. Oh, interesting. And so, um, yeah, I really was curious what will the response be like, um, you know, first from like the publishing side, you know, and then from readers, of course. Um, and so you know, I was I was pleasantly surprised. Everybody's like, this is actually good. And I'm like, oh, good. That was my goal. Yeah. Um, no, I, I was scared, but I also felt energized by it. Like once I understood what I wanted to do with it, I think that was the hardest part for me was because I haven't been through the process that, you know, that you've been doing for years and years about like thinking about characters and motivations and interactions and all that stuff. I mean, it was all very new, but it was it was new in an exciting, like fresh way. What I love is the idea that if you want to reach different people, you have to take a different approach. Mm -hmm. um, and do you find that that's happening with the money tree, that kind of the the audience expands because you're just taking it in a different direction? Well, it's still early days. Like this is, you know, the first week of the book, <laughs> essentially. Um, but I really am kind of going all in with this. And the initial response that I've had is, is really good. I mean, and it's interesting because the way people respond to fiction is so different than nonfiction. Mm -hmm. Again, new to me. And so I'm getting all these different emails. And I had some from the advanced readers as well, just kind of projecting their own feelings and their own sense of of the characters. And I thought this was going to happen, but then it was this. And and uh, different people have ideas about, oh, you must have modeled this character on yourself, mm. you know, and somebody might say something, you know, the opposite or different. And I like that. It's, it's fun to see that it has a, a life of its own. One thing that I think is interesting, just from a Hollywood perspective, is that everything is changing so fast and we're mm. sort of all trying to just do different things. It's, you know, it's just not like it used to be where we all had one job and that was it. And that's sort of your whole ethos mm -hmm. is that. What advice do you have for people who are thinking about, like, even for us, we mm -hmm. write TV, but we also do a podcast. Right. And now we're writing a fictional narrative podcast, mm -hmm. which I find daunting, even though it's similar, it's different. You know right, what I mean? Right. So what's your advice to people not who aren't necessarily going to write a novel, mm -hmm. but just who are looking to do something different, but within their own field? Mm -hmm. So you're right. a writer. Right. You're still a writer, but you're branching out. Sure. Well, I mean, thinking about those extensions is often a natural process. It's often like, okay, I, I've been doing this. What is, what is, as you said, like this, you know, but different? How can I 
you know, if I'm if I'm pursuing some kind of, of service, is there a way to provide that service to another group of people? Is there a way to provide that service in a different way? If I'm creating a product, whether it's, you know, physical product or I am writing something or something in the arts, you know, is it a different genre? Is it a different group of readers or listeners or a medium? You know, now we have so many more mediums, I feel like. I think that's yes. changing by the by the month, it seems, you know. Yes. Um, so some people, when they when they do this kind of thing, the side hustle thing, they actually want to get away from what they're doing, you know, for their day job or so-called day job, whatever mm-hmm. it is. And it's good for them to do something different. Um, but if you are in a place where, you know, a lot of what you're doing, you're passionate about, you're, you're excited about, you enjoy it, um, then it could be natural to say, oh, what else could I do like it, right? I like thinking of it as extensions. Yes. Mm-hmm. They're extensions of what we do mm-hmm. in a um, different direction. It uses different parts of your you know, brain power too, I think. And so it can help you avoid burnout if you do it the right way. Yes. That is really true. Like, I know um, when I started podcasting, it was this whole, like, surge of energy Mm -hmm. creatively because it was just completely different from anything I'd done. I mean, I assume you felt the same way. Oh, my God. Absolutely. Yes. Um, now, for the the book itself, mm-hmm. The Money Tree, taking, you know, of course, we're interested in the process, but the content of the book is really about how how to get out of the situation. Mm-hmm. What is your advice there? I mean, you kind of touched on so, it. Don't get into a lot of debt to start right, a business. Right, right. Step one. Um, but what can you share, Dick, from the lessons? What do you want people to sure, take from yeah. it? Sure, yeah. I mean, so the subtitle of the book is Finding the Fortune in Your Own Backyard. Uh, which essentially alludes to, you know, my belief that uh, if you want to to create more freedom for yourself, if you need to make more money and get out of debt, whatever it is, uh, it's not so much that you need to go and acquire a whole bunch of new skills. Like you don't have to go to business school. You don't have to kind of reinvent that whole process. Like you already have valuable skills. And uh, I, I like to kind of, you know, have dialogues with people and understand like what they're really good at. What, what, what is your life experience? What are you good at in terms of, your job, what do people look to you for expertise on, and what yeah. they see you as an authority in. So doing this kind of skill inventory, I think, is really helpful sometimes. It's better than asking, like, what are you passionate about, per se, mm. you know? Oh, that's interesting. Right? Because, I, I love that distinction. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I think so the whole follow your passion thing, it's like there's some passions you could follow that could be very profitable and others that are not. You know, right? And it's that's fine, right? You got to make uh, it. You got to. So I think it's good to follow your skill, yeah, right? If Sarah's, you follow, <laughs> Sarah's laughing at you because like, yeah. I'm always yeah. trying to think of how I can turn my love for the Real Housewives uh-huh, okay. <laughs> into some sort of career. Uh-huh. Um, well, Liz, there might be some way. There, I know. But, I'm always you know. telling her, I'm like, just you wait. That uh-huh. there, it's cut. It's somehow I'm going to figure this out. It could be that. It could be alpaca. It's fur, coming. You know, yes, whatever. exactly. So, but you know, it might yes, might be easier mine. to say, okay, what what is it that people are responding? to that I'm good at. There is obviously like this overlap between, you know, a skill that I have that's valued and what other people are interested in. Could be a lot of different iterations of that thing. So where where is that overlap, that conversion? So looking at skills and then just starting simply, like starting with where you are, like in the, in the book, uh, you know, the guy just starts by selling his old college textbooks, you know, on an online auction, which is a very simple idea, but this is something that everybody could do. And when I got started working for myself, which was 21 years ago, that's basically what I was doing, and it's still just as relevant now. The idea of reselling, like selling stuff that you own, but also buying other stuff and selling it. It's kind of basic, but it it can be empowering to somebody who's never made money apart from a paycheck before. Yes. And it can tend to lead to something else. You do that for a while, then maybe you specialize. Maybe you get another idea. Then maybe you start some other service or something. So there's a, there's a process, but it does begin with starting with something um, that, that, again, makes money. So it's not just what you're excited about, what can actually make money. 
That's an interesting idea to like start, even if that's not where you're going to end up, yes. just to get used to thinking that way, to strategizing and like doing the steps that are required mm-hmm. and knowing what the steps are. Right. That's the hard part. Mm-hmm. One of the hard parts. <laughs> so, Chris, tell us about the book registry. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear you have a plan to do something about the student loan crisis. Yes. Amazing. Um, so, you know, here we are in this time where graduation season is coming up. Mm-hmm. There are 2 million U.S. college graduates with a bachelor's degree this year. And I think something like 70% of them are graduating with debt, uh, average of $30,000 each, you know, some of them a lot more. Wow. And, of course, they're coming onto a job market that is not as friendly and favorable as it once was. You know, yeah. you mentioned that earlier. Like, people can't expect to work in the same company, and, you know, for long and such. So how are they going to get out of it? They have to do something themselves. That's what this book is all about. And so what I wanted to do is create this process, um, which is basically like a, a blockchain-enabled registry where people go to moneytreebook.com. Any student, any college student or recent graduate uh, in the United States can register and uh, they can get a free book. They're registering for a free book. It's first come, first serve, so it's not guaranteed for everyone. They can put their name down, and then anyone else can come and choose to be a book donor, essentially. And so you can buy a copy of the book for someone you know if you want, or you can buy it for a stranger. And if the the college student or the graduate chooses to opt in, uh, you can actually exchange contact information that way. And on the site, there's a way you can kind of see the number of books that we've kind of, you know, created through this registry. Uh, You can see some different goals that we're working on. You can see where they're going and all that. So my idea, it's kind of like a micro wealth transfer, essentially. If you want to buy books for students, uh, give them this experience and help them along the way, you can do that. And if you are a student, you can come and register. And And you're creating a community around it, which is always so valuable. And what is the website again? Because we'll be doing this right now. (laughs) Thank you. It's moneytreebook.com. Okay. All right. Chris, thank you. Thank you so much, Liz. Thank Thank you, you, Sarah. Coming up, we have COVID-19 hits and bombs. But first, this break. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Sarah, it's time for Hits and Bombs because Hollywood is all about big hits and big bombs even now. (laughs) Um, And Sarah, you have a hit. Yes, I do. I am giving myself (laughs) a hit (laughs) just for surviving as an only parent with a young kid right now. Um, It is a lot. Yes, I give you a huge hit for that. Just... (laughs) I'm the one on the phone with you and sort of hearing what it's like. Um, It is tough. 
It's tough. And I realized like for Violet's whole life, really, I've always had some kind of help, whether yeah. it's, you know, a nanny or a sitter or family. There's always usually somebody around. And now it's like the sheer volume of the, you know, I've always known that stay at home moms have obviously one of the hardest jobs there is. But doing that on top of like the schooling and the, I mean, we're also trying to work. Yes. <laughs> And there's no other parent or adult around or even like another kid around for her to play with for a little yeah. while. So it's there's there's an intensity that is sort of indescribable. Yeah, this will probably go down as the hardest time in your life, even harder than when she was an infant. Probably. Yeah, yeah, you may well be right. It's also really fun. I mean, I, you know, yeah. it's not I'm not just like kind of um, complaining about it. There's a lot of really great fun stuff about it this will be like the most bonding you know yes. time of our probably our whole relationship yes. of, our, of our entire lives um so i think i just i'm gonna focus on that and on the hits of just surviving and getting through this one day at a time yeah and you've stayed in a relatively good mood i will say as your writing partner <laughs> so i give I you so. congrats on that too well, thank you. Um, okay, Liz, now you have a bomb. Yes, my bomb is um, to myself for not getting enough writing done. I, unlike you, I have, first of all, I have Adam to help with Jack. Plus, Jack is very self-sufficient. I mean, like, I'll, he doesn't even want food. I mean, I have to be like, <laughs> oh my God, it's 3 p.m. Like, you should eat some chicken tenders. So he's very easy. Um, now, granted, the school thing is is hard, but um, again, even there, compared to a Violet, he's much more self-sufficient just because he's, you know, older. So I really do have time to write. Like, I can't say I don't have time to write. I have plenty of time to write. But I just, and I've done a little writing, but it's just like pulling teeth and it's not nearly as much as I should have done. And it's that concentration thing. And I know there's a lot of, people, and I agree with them saying, hey, we are living through a global pandemic. This isn't the time to expect yourself to be at your most productive. Right. But at the same time, there's life after the global pandemic, we hope, and there's actually life during it. And uh, we need to get things done, We, you know, to um, continue along our career path. Right. So I can't just, like, pretend that it's not important. So um, my goal for moving forward, and I'm hoping by expressing this bomb, I will, um, you know, be accountable to our audience to improve upon it so that it can turn into a hit, Sarah. I weirdly was just thinking, I feel a productive phase coming on. I don't know exactly how I'm going to manage that, but like, I do feel like we are entering a phase that's going to be very productive. That's Good. just my, my, you're the one with the gut feeling, but my well, gut is telling me that. So my gut feeling said our plastics pilot was going to go and be on the air for eight years. So I've, I've stopped. <laughs> my gut has ceased to mean anything to me. Okay. And my we'll gut to told my me gut. our schools wouldn't close. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. I think your gut has taken over. So okay. I'm going with your gut. Excellent. <laughs> Next up, we have a Hollywood hack for all of those Zoom meetings. But first, this break. 
I don't know about you, but we're always looking for ways to get our kids involved and give back in our local community. That's why we're excited to tell you about Student Visionaries of the Year, a campaign by the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, which is the largest nonprofit organization dedicated to creating a world without blood cancers. Student Visionaries of the Year is a seven-week philanthropic leadership development program for high school students. Participants form strong teams and fundraise in honor of a pediatric blood cancer survivor in their local community. I would love for Violet to do this program when she's in high school. This program is transformative. It not only helps students develop valuable life skills like project management, communication, financial literacy, and entrepreneurship, not to mention it looks great on college applications, but most importantly, it's also a chance for them to engage in meaningful work within their community and make a real impact on blood cancer patients and their families. You can learn more about Student Visionaries of the Year or even nominate a student at lls.org slash students. That's lls.org slash students. All right, Liz, it's time for this week's Hollywood hack. This hack, and probably many hacks for the foreseeable future, is all about making a good impression during a Zoom meeting. Yes, there are many disadvantages to online meetings. Nothing replaces meeting someone in person. But there are some silver linings. For one, not sitting in an hour of traffic. Yeah, I have to say, I am so thrilled to not be, like, driving to Santa Monica twice (laughs) a week. You know, that's like four hours a day. Okay, so this hack is for Zoom meetings. If you don't know this, Zoom has a touch-up appearance option. It is the most wonderful thing in our current planetal situation. Yes. I mean, I look positively dewy in Zoom meetings, Sarah. <laughs> I'm like, her skin is about myself. I'm just like, wow, look at that. Um, those <laughs> cheeks, that, you know, that skin, it's just gorgeous. So Just a it, youthful vibrancy. Yes. <laughs> it really makes a difference. Like, yeah, you really look better. It's not yeah. like, oh, I can't tell a difference. Oh, no. There's a difference. Yes. And I um, recently forgot to do it for a meeting. You said that if you go to it, it stays on, but I must have messed something up. So just double check this, everyone, because I was halfway through a meeting going, why do I look so crummy? Like my skin is like so red and I realized it wasn't on. And of course, once you're through the meeting, you can't turn it on in the middle. So make sure you get this set up prior to the beginning of the meeting. Yes, and I think it's under settings. And depending on whether you're on your phone, iPad, or computer, it's like slightly different where you find it. But it's fairly obvious. Like if you just, you know, look, you will find it. Um, And it's called Touch Up My Appearance. And it's really worth that extra like 30 seconds before the meeting. It sure is. We're we're going to have so many Zoom meetings, Sarah, with Touch Up My Appearance that we're not going to want people to see us in person anymore. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> and that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you to Chris Gillibo for joining us today. Order his book, The Money Tree, from your favorite bookstore. Thank you to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, who is king of remote recording. Thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. And thank you to everyone at Cadence 13. 
And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and Do the Thing from Whole30's Melissa Urban. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S Fain. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Sarah, how old do you think Violet will be when she starts her own podcast? (laughs) She would start her own podcast today if I let her. If she could figure out a way to do it on her own, she would have a podcast right now. She was so excited to do that. (laughs) Could be a good quarantine hobby. You know, (laughs) you're right. YouTube videos and podcasts. I think she could figure it out. She was already uh, helping with tech support. The headphones. (laughs) (laughs) Go Violet. I know. She'd probably like to come hang with you, Chuck. From the Onward Project.